and welcome back to the Transfer Marketing Podcast. My name is Prashant Malkani and the topic for today's episode is the growth of customer centricity. Every company today speaks about how data needs to be at the center of everything. But where a lot of companies make the mistake is that data cannot replace customers. Ideally, customers still need to be in the center of everything. And data is definitely important as long as the data is helping you draw insights to benefit you and your customers. To help dwell further into this topic, I have Jermina Menin on today's episode. Jermina has over 25 years of experience, mainly in some of the largest agencies like Lolintas and FCB Ulka. She is currently the Chief Strategy Officer at Noetic, a management consulting firm, and has featured in the top 50 retail minds at the Asia Retail and Shopping Center Congress for two years in a row. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's episode. Hi, Jermina, and welcome to the Transfer Marketing Podcast. It's a real pleasure to host you today. Hi, Prashant. Thank you for having me here. And you have a fantastic podcast. I've had a nice time listening to the many specialists you have, you know, interviewed over the past few months and learned some interesting new things, which I didn't know and some great Mm. insights there too. Thank you. Thank you so much. It means a lot. So I think we can we can quickly start with the conversation today. And from your past experience of, I think, over 25 years now, you know, just wanted to, to actually compare what customer centricity meant 25 years ago. And what does customer centricity mean today? So if you can just possibly put some light on that. So I don't think customer centricity as a concept per se has changed because at the end of the day, when you make a product, it's made yep. for a customer and made to, you know, fulfill a certain need. And of yep. course, you have marketing and marketing communication to reach it to the customer and, you know, let them actually know uh, why you have made it for them or, you know. Right. The big difference is that I guess in the earlier days, about 15, 20, 25 years back, Uh, there was very limited information about the customer and you had to literally do what we called market visits to go and meet customers, uh, large customer focus groups, large quantitative research to understand the customer's needs. Today, I think the big difference like it has been in every other thing is that with the explosion of, you know, social media and digital marketing, you have a lot more to know about the customer. Yeah. Uh, which to some ways could also make it difficult because there is information overload and it's always a challenge to, you know, filter out the right information from the noise around it. Yeah. So if anything has changed, I think while you have more information, picking up the right information and then building a customer-centric brand or product idea or marketing idea has become more challenging than before, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, extending that question a little further is that, you know, people keep talking about the lifetime value of a customer because what happens and this happens in most companies, right? So if you say sell a certain product or a service to a customer, there is always a possibility to either upsell or, you know, keep selling that same product over and over again to that customer. I think earlier how it used to work is that, you know, if a certain person used to prefer a brand, they used to continue their journey with that same brand. So just taking that thought process in mind, do you think companies are doing enough to increase the lifetime value of a customer by either repeat sales or or upselling? Yes, I definitely feel that uh, what has happened over the last two decades is that the customer's needs have grown many fold. 
yeah. uh, the options available have grown many fold yeah. and today what you are really seeing is that the companies which are highly focused on customers they actually either have product variants or they have mm. different brands to meet the needs of the customer uh, take somebody like a madura garments Uh, their hmm. initial success was in the launch of the first uh, you know branded tailored shirt in peter england and it was yeah. very much a value format uh, or a value priced product at that time they later introduced you know louis philip banyusen and alan solly now all of them were very distinctive in the kind of customer they spoke to yeah and by launching these brands not only did they address the various customer segments that were hmm. present it also started offering a lifetime value so for example let's say there is a person you know who is what we would define as secb and a fresh graduate and starts work yeah. uh, maybe his income allowed him to begin with a uh, uh, peter england right but as he went higher in his career as his income increased and you know from a b1 he became a secba customer right. he probably started shifting to a louis philip or vanusen maybe the first mm. exposures were through sales because that's when he could afford them better but again as he continued growing in his career his income started growing he could even afford to go and buy them full priced and not necessarily wait for a sale so yeah. that's how you know brands build in a lifetime value it may not come from the same brand but companies mm. build this lifetime value by having various product offerings i mean you even see that in the personal care segment you mm. know whether it is a mask product there is a premium product today everybody needs to have a sustainable or eco friendly variant also in their portfolio i mean precisely the reason why a large conglomerate like l'oreal bought the body shop about a decade ago to you know yeah. be relevant yeah. even to the audience which is environment friendly right. so i think it's about meeting the customers needs and changing needs and mm. having a brand at least to fulfill each of those needs within the company portfolio and ensuring that you are able to you know transfer the customer from hmm. one brand of yours to another, another brand yeah yeah and you know since we were just talking about varied customers and the volume of customers that actually exist today specifically when you look at either the retail sector or the fmcg sector i think the number or, or the volume of customers are so large especially for some brands that possibly tends to become a little difficult for them to have you know a one on one approach and when i say one on one i mean like a hyper personalized approach because i think what happens in a lot of cases is that these larger companies they tend to focus on you know their cash cows their larger clients or customers and tend to not focus so much on the smaller which is possibly an 80% share of their customers and then those customers tend to look at you know other brands where they feel more valued so do you think some companies or most of the companies are actually being able to do this and hyper personalize and focus on on each customer specifically or do you think they're just mainly focusing on their on their cash cows if i can call it so prashant if i may say uh, what i have really seen is the distinguishing factor between you know brands which talk to customers frequently talk to customers at the right point in time with the right communication hmm. versus those companies or those brands which do not is honestly the power of intention so if hmm. you believe in making that customer connect if you believe in you know really knowing your customer and being relevant to the customer beyond the sales transaction mm. then you will see a marked difference now mm. in retail industry which is where i have my extensive experience yeah. uh, it's easier to do that because you know who's your buyer yeah you know? uh, almost every time you shop at a retail store 
you end up giving your mobile number you know that very well and then you are kind of enrolled automatically into a loyalty program uh, yeah. same thing happens with online where obviously you cannot place an order without sharing your mobile number for contact hmm. now these brands when they invest in understanding customer buying patterns buying behaviors hmm. there is a very good way of really using the customer and actually analyzing it so hmm. if you have the intent you can do it now the challenge really lies in that are you really having a holistic program which looks at it qualitatively and quantitatively yeah uh, i'll give you one example from an industry where i have again uh, done a lot of work which is the shopping center industry Hmm. typically in a shopping mall uh, you would turn around if you have a loyalty program and uh, there is a very prominent mall in cochin lulu mall which has a very strong loyalty program hmm. they focus on you know really understanding the customer behavior yeah now there are two ways of looking at customer behavior are you only going to look at the purchase value and say the person who you know has spent let's say x lakhs in uh, my mall annually becomes hmm. a gold customer and anybody lesser is a silver and not hmm. you know as important hmm. then it would be incorrect because you also need to put in the number of visits yeah, yeah? Uh, in a market like cochin what would typically happen my guess is not that i have seen the information is hmm. you may have customers let's say who come on a monthly basis and argument sake spend 5000 as a family per month at the mall So yeah. you're talking of a sixty thousand annual spend. Hmm. Now that same sixty thousand could be done by another customer who comes once a year on his holiday from the Gulf, and hmm. you know does a large spend because he's seeing his family after time. He is indulging his family. Perhaps yeah. he's buying a lot of stuff to take back. Hmm. Now to turn around and say that customer B who has made one single month a very high purchase yeah. is the gold customer and the other customer who makes the same purchase through the year is not a gold customer mm. is really how you really define your customers and how you actually want to honor and you know respect their purchase right so brands are able to do that retail brands are able to do that with their mm. loyalty programs and of course today you have a lot of data analytics and ais which can show you your high value customers low value customers yeah. uh, we see very often they reminding you that it's been a long time since we seen you we miss you kind of messaging in yeah. fmcg it's a little different because you are not selling directly correct and of course uh, typically they end up being a low priced you know product so for example uh, unilever would find it very different difficult to personalize let's say a lux variant for a particular user but yeah. cadbury is try to do it very significantly i don't know if you have seen their madbury campaign yeah. which is where they invite people to create their flavors right. so it yeah. becomes a great platform to understand you know what are the flavors people like or you know want to have in the chocolate chocolates and which are obviously missing currently hmm. and another way is that do they really make special bars and send it back to you they haven't done that they hmm. have chosen the you know most common flavor and picked a winner and is my guess on it yeah. but that was a brilliant opportunity to you know actually customize and surprise a set of customers saying hey you you know selected this flavor so while we are not rolling it out we just made a special batch for you so those yeah. are also opportunities available they of course come at a particular cost and hmm. how can you amplify it becomes uh, extremely hmm. critical yeah so i think it comes down more to intent if you have the intent and you're willing to look at the data holistically rather than just narrow funnel of you know total hmm. spend by the customer it's yeah. easily doable yeah so as we were just discussing the retail sector and the data they managed to capture on their customers 
Do you think they could use that data better to generate more targeted communications rather than sending out general information? For example, if you know a customer has purchased most of their clothes in a particular size, the next time the store has a sale, frame the communication in a way where the customer feels special and also feels his or her size is possibly available at a better price, for example. So do you think brands are doing this and possibly doing it right? I think the possibilities are there, but yeah. the biggest pitfall I see in execution of these strategies is because a lot of it is data driven. Yeah. Uh, people are giving more weightage to the numbers than the mm. what the data is saying. I'll give you a yeah. very simple example. Uh, all of us understand remarketing. All of us understand today that, you know, when e-commerce <clears throat> puts a product up saying, uh, it, it has a lot of tags at the back end, you know. So yeah. if I take my ladies category, it will say pink, sari, silk, argument six, you know. Right. Three yeah. criteria, which are attached to what I have purchased. Yeah. Now, what unfortunately happens with this data is that, you know, the engine is made to read that every time there is a pink silk sari, it needs, it keeps throwing at me saying, now new range available, now new range available. Yeah. Now, if you really thought, the way a woman thinks while buying mm. a sari, mm. there is very slim chance that I'm going to buy another pink silk sari in the next three to six months because I have just bought one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the engine is saying, okay, this is what you preferred. So yeah, you know, this is what you will buy. This is what you will buy. Another pink, another pink, another pink. Mm. But mm. actually what I perhaps want is a blue or a green or a purple. Yeah, yeah. yeah? We are just looking at the numbers and saying, okay, I have been categorized as a pink silk sari purchaser mm. and I'm constantly being thrown pink silk saris in various formats mm. uh, how about showing me cotton because it's summer mm. Mm. You know? so these are the small nuances of understanding the customer we are missing out on because this is something an engine cannot think this is something yeah. humans can think and yeah. we are unfortunately becoming victims of these data science engines and ai engines mm. and you know leaving the human aspect out of it yeah, and yeah. there are opportunities to really do that. You know, uh, you may have bought a check shirt, mm. and to think that all the time you are only going to have checks in your wardrobe mm. is a you know yeah. part. Yes, there is a section of population who will only wear planes, only wear stripes, only mm. wear. But you know, they are the exception; they are not the norm. Yeah, but a typical customer, I'm sure you have a mix of you know plain mm. shirts and stripe shirts and check shirts and. In, Checks, you may have a variety of Burberry checks and Houndstooth checks and classic mm. checks and, you know, variety of checks. But to keep thinking that you're always going to be a check shirt buyer yeah. is a classic mistake we are allowing the, you know, data mm. science engine to make and throw at the customer. And yeah. if we bring in these human elements and twist the engine to, you know, talk to you differently, you will mm. see a massive, massive difference for sure. True. Yeah, agree. So... When we speak of larger brands that have multiple sub-brands under them, there is a lot of cross-pollination and democratizing of data that happens now. For example, let's take Unilever, has multiple brands across varied categories. So the hair care division sharing data with the skincare division and vice versa does happen more prominently now. But is this a good thing and especially keeping the customer in the center of this? I think everything is a good thing if you are using it the right way and using it for the right you know reasons right. uh, unilever is i think a sterling example of how a company really has its pulse on the customer and a large yeah. part of it comes because 
you know, they see the customer as a whole. So while, mm. you know, the soap team may be doing a survey to understand their bathing habits, mm. uh, that doesn't stop them from, you know, sharing some interesting insights, which may come up in that about shampooing with their, you know, hair care team right. or, you know, uh, how the customer washes the face versus the body with their, you know, face care team, yeah. skin care team. Yeah. And that is exactly what brands are doing. So today, if you realize that a person is willing to pay a premium for environment friendly products, which are safer for the environment, mm. then they really have a string of products across it. So not only do they have a Dove soap and shampoo and body lotion, yeah. but maybe the customer could also be pushed to, you know, uh, Sunsilk could come up with an environment friendly variant as an option. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of big FMCG companies, if you ask me, have been mm. using it traditionally and continue to do so now. That kind of data exchange does happen and it's for the overall uh, growth of the company. Yeah, yeah. And it should be done, definitely done. True, true. So before we end today's episode, one final question, and I don't think I can end this episode without talking about the current pandemic. In terms of industries, the retail and the e-commerce industries have been impacted the most. Some obviously positively and some unfortunately negatively. Customers have been pushed to make basic behavioral changes due to the pandemic. So do you think companies have been able to cope with all these changes that's happening around them? So if you had asked me this question last year, I'm not sure uh, whether the reply would have been the same. Last year, I think, was a case where nobody knew what to do because nobody had been hit by a pandemic before. Uh, Nobody knew how customers are rapidly going to change, including the customers in their behavior. And nobody really knew what tomorrow brought. Uh, After two or three months, when we had some kind of an indication that, you know, this is how it's going to be and this is how customers have changed. I Mm. think uh, almost everybody who was selling to a customer started changing differently. And those who didn't change were the ones who were, uh, pardon me saying that, but the ostriches Mm. who decided, let me put my head down till this Mm. passes over and I wake up from my dream. So the ones who actually lost were the ones who refused to believe that the change is permanent. Yeah. And the ones who grabbed the change, understood the behavior and were quickly able to adapt to customers. So we have seen brands do a hell of a lot. I mean, take a classic uh, fashion category. Uh, mm. Suddenly you had last year a new category come up in clothing called waist top dressing or Zoom dressing. Because, yeah. you know, if you are doing a call with your colleagues or clients or, you know, even doing a job interview, yeah. the person was not seeing you in full. So you were probably wearing the best shirt you have in your wardrobe, yeah. with maybe, you know, track pants or shorts below, but yeah. the shirt yeah. was yeah. important. So there was a huge focus on that. There was a huge yeah. focus on comfort wear. So, you know, bottom wear became more about comfort because probably didn't need to cost a lot because it was fashionably good, but it needed yeah. to be comfortable and sitting for long hours working uh, the way one was working at home needed yeah. that mix of comfort and fashion. And it yeah. was kind of very, you know, democratically divided between your top wear and bottom wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was, you know, even beauty brands uh, using their customer database. I had Kama uh, Ayurveda call me and do a video consultation with me, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. share what could be the products, etc. And it was really interesting the way brands went about it. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, What's also happened is that the Mm -hmm. change that happened towards digital, I think Mm -hmm. within three months of the pandemic beginning last year, people understood it was permanent. Yeah. So the good part is that when we had the so-called lull, 
इट डिट इम्पैक्ट सो मच बिकॉज वी वर एनी वे ऑल ऑफ अस वर वर्किंग फॉर द लॉन्ग टर्म डिजिटल ट्रांसफॉर्मेशन एंड लॉन्ग टर्म डिजिटाइजेशन ऑफ द कस्टमर जर्नी एंड कस्टमर परचेज जर्नी ओवरऑल इंडस्ट्री हैंडल्ड इट वेल लास्ट ईयर ऑफकोर्स द वॉज अ स्टेट ऑफ फ्लक्स फॉर द फर्स्ट मंथ और टू but yeah. now most of us know what a pandemic feels like and yeah. most of us are ready and we are waiting for it to end but while it's there i think all of us know how to kind of manage it and work around it yeah no i think it was that that was a great thought and great so with this we've actually come to the end of today's episode thank you so much Excellent. for coming on board and sharing i think some great insights and anyone i think who needs to you know understand customer centricity customer journeys i think should definitely listen to this podcast and i'm sure they'll go away probably learning a little more and you know having some better thought processes when possibly the next time they execute a campaign Thanks Prashant it was a lovely chatting with you and I do hope uh, what I said helps brands kind of continue growing Thank you A short message for those who plan to start their own podcast you can visit www.hubhopperstudio.com Hubhopper is India's leading podcast creation platform Start your podcast with Hubhopper Studio and get your voice heard across multiple platforms Click on the link in the episode description to know more And for the rest of us hope this episode was useful for you and if you would like to know more about this topic you can reach out to Jemina on LinkedIn and in case if you have any doubts feedback or just want to spark a conversation you can catch me on LinkedIn Instagram or Twitter this is me signing out for this episode and looking forward to seeing you on the next one subscribe to the podcast for regular updates and one last thing don't forget to stay curious